Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special uh, warm welcome to any guests or visitors. We have joining us on this day, the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as we look to the bulletin that we have before us, first I'll draw your attention to the back cover, where we have a section of Luther's small catechism. We're continuing to walk with our uh, catechumens uh, through the, the catechism and their memory work, and today we have before us the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. What is the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer? And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. As I mentioned, we have come to what is a, a minor festival within the church here, some, one that's certainly near and dear to us as Lutherans, and that is the Transfiguration of Our Lord. And this is sort of a marker post, uh, kind of showing the end of the Epiphany season, formally anyway, where now we're going to turn our attention after this week towards the pre-Lent Jesima season. So, of course, at the end of the service, we will sing uh, Alleluia's Song of Gladness as we voluntarily, after day, put, a, put away our Alleluia's until... Uh, we celebrate the Paschal Feast in Sincerity and Truth on Easter Sunday. So I'll turn your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin at this time, that focused on Christ's section, a summary of the readings in today's service. The Lord appeared to Moses in the light of the burning bush. Later, Moses' face would shine with the light of God's glory when he came down from Mount Sinai. At the Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appeared with the one who is the light of light himself. Jesus' glory as God shines with brilliant splendor in and through his human nature. By this epiphany, our Lord confirmed the prophetic word, revealing that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He manifested his majesty as the eternal son of the Father, and he wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption as sons. We who have been baptized into Christ's body are given a glimpse of the glory that we will share with him in the resurrection on the last day. And as he also, our Lord, uh, comes to us in and under bread and wine to feed us with his very body and blood this day, he bids us to be of one accord, that is, one common confession and unity with one another as we come to receive that supper. So then, we do ask that all those attending the Lord's Supper this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri City, joining us in that one common orthodox confession of the Christian faith. And of course, we pray for that day when the Lord returns and all such divisions shall cease. But until that day, we honor his word and we do as he has said. As we hear today from the Father himself, hear him, listen to him, and we gladly then obey his word and receive his gifts accordingly. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 3. As it begins on page 184, we now sing the first hymn. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirm the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah, and in the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King of his glory, and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. 
The Old Testament reading for the transfiguration of our Lord is from Exodus chapter 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 2 Peter chapter 1. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And please be seated. Well, in this, well, what is for us this year, unusually short epiphany season, it can be easy for us to forget about Christ's disciples. I mean, just two weeks ago, we had the baptism of Jesus, the wedding of Cana, and now here we are all of a sudden at the transfiguration. 
But by the time the transfiguration of our Lord occurred, Christ's disciples, they had been through a lot. They had seen a lot. They had experienced many different things. The disciples had borne witness to things which the prophets of old had only longed to see by faith. Peter, James, and John, along with the rest of the disciples, they've been living alongside Jesus, the Son of the living God. And at this point, it had been about two years. In that course of time, they beheld with their own eyes things that were impossible for man, things only possible with God. Miraculous healings, the driving out of demons, Jesus confronting and confounding the Pharisees, the scribes, the lawyers, and then thousands fed by five loaves and two fishes. Peter, James, and John, those three who were in sort of the inner circle of Jesus, had even watched as the Lord raised the dead to life. What had been a relatively mundane and ordinary life for all the disciples was changed by the call of God's Son, follow me. On two occasions, Jesus had even saved them from the raging sea. And in the one that's most recent, most close to these events of the transfiguration, Peter even got out of the boat and he walked to Jesus on the water before fear caused him to sink. The Lord Jesus was right there. Peter, of course, was not harmed. But do you remember those words that Jesus spoke to Peter there on the lake? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Those words, dear saints, are just as much for us as they were for Peter and the other disciples. For the Lord is right here with us. In the midst of all things, whether good or bad, he never falters. Now, having lived through these events, it makes you wonder what Peter, James, and John were thinking when he led them up on a high mountain that early morning. In the midst of all the miracles and compassion Jesus showed to so many, he was always focused on teaching and preaching. So what's going on today, right? Why only the three of us with him again? What is he going to do? What is going to happen? And then a blinding, brilliant light shone upon them, and it was the Lord himself. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Now we know that looking at the sun, even filtered through sunlight, it can hurt your eyes. How much more so to look upon the Son of God, the one who created the sun, the heavens, and all things. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of your anointed, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. We prayed these words in the introit this day. It makes you wonder if psalms like this were suddenly in the minds of Peter, James, and John on the Transfiguration Mount. We don't know. We're not told that clearly, of course. But nevertheless, by faith, we see Jesus today as those three disciples did, shining in all of his heavenly splendor and glory. And folks, we need to see Jesus like this. We need a glimpse of his divine heavenly glory and majesty. Why? Well, for the very same reason that Peter, James, and John did. We are weak and we are frail. Yes, the Lord has given us his Holy Spirit, and God be praised, but the flesh is weak. We are little faiths, and we need reassurance. We need strengthening of faith. And that is precisely what the Holy Spirit gives to us today in Christ's word and sacraments. You see, just one chapter ago in Matthew's Gospel, Peter was bold. He made that great confession, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, a great truth revealed to him by the Father. But very soon afterward, as you remember, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, be killed, and be raised on the third day. 
Peter's reaction to this news is similar to, if we're honest, what ours would have been, but perhaps we would not have opened our mouths. Maybe we were being too charitable to ourselves. Peter, however, he rebuked Jesus. And then Jesus rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The cross was always central to Jesus. It was then, it is now. You see, for Peter and for the rest of us, we like to focus on the glorious things, those warm, glowing things, those things which give us warm fuzzies, right? The miracles, the warm words of Jesus, Easter morning and the future glory promised to us. And it's not wrong to celebrate those things. It is not wrong to give thanks to God for all those things. However, they must never be separated from Good Friday and from the cross. Jesus knows the cross is coming. So he takes Peter, James, and John, and you today up on a high mountain with him. Jesus shows you his glory, and he shines the light of his splendor and grace upon you so that you won't forget it, that you won't forget who he is. He shows you now so that when our road, as it will so soon wind deeply into the valley of the shadow of Lent, you will not forget who Jesus really is and what he came to do on the cross, what he came to accomplish for you and for the whole world. See, that is why Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus there. St. Luke tells us in his account of the transfiguration that they're talking about his exodus, that is, Christ's exodus to the cross. So also Moses and Elijah, they represent and they show forth that the law and the prophets all bear witness to Jesus being the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah, who has come as the great and final sacrifice for all sin. As St. John pointed out to us, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is a glorious revelation. And indeed, it is the greatest truth that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So, what happens next with the disciples on the mount? The same as when Jesus first spoke of the cross. Peter feels the need to weigh in on what's going on. Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. It's good to be with Jesus on the mount. It's good to see him in his glory. Seeing Jesus in his divine splendor is a great foretaste of the glory that we will share with Christ in paradise forever. God be praised. In the midst of this bitter cold winter, a beacon of light shines forth from the Mount of Transfiguration, and it is Christ himself. However, Peter, well, but now is not the time for the revealing of your plans. God is revealing something incredible that requires your mortal flesh and ours likewise to keep silence. Therefore, just as Jesus rebuked Peter, now the Father rebukes him. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus, or more literally, hear Jesus. That is a command given by God the Father. The glory cloud overshadows them all as it did the Old Testament tabernacle, and God the Father speaks. Despite all Peter, James, and John had seen with Jesus, the Father reveals who Jesus is and commands them to listen to him. By the way, that command is also for us, dear saints. You see, there's so much static, so much nonsense, so much white noise in our lives today that, well, we get very distracted. 
There are so many things which clamor for our attention constantly. On the Mount of Transfiguration, our Heavenly Father tells us what is most needful, to listen to Jesus, to hear Jesus. We have a never-ending stream of information coming at us through TV, radio, billboards, internet, phones, smart devices, so-called. There is seemingly no end to the distractions which surround us. Now, do keep in mind that those duties which are related to our God-given vocations are a good and God-pleasing thing. We are to do those things joyfully with the help and strength of God. I'm talking about all of these distractions that come to us which are of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. Because you see, were that not all enough, those distractions, our own flesh cries out. Every day, day in and day out, we experience aches, pains, suffering, hunger, frustrations, confusion, We're tempted to anger, to wrath, envy, and lust, to jealousy, despair, and toward an apathetic indifference toward the things of God, an old sin that the church called Acadia or Asadia. If our focus is only on the sufferings and fickle desires of our flesh, then we will be led away from Christ's word. If our focus is only on what this sinful world is doing, we will be deceived and misled into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. The very thing which we pray the Lord protect us from in that petition of the Lord's Prayer that we confessed before the service began. If we set our eyes, our ears, and our hearts only on the things of this world, well, then there can only be sin, darkness, and death in our lives. We need to heed the Father's command. We need to repent of anything that is contrary to his holy Ten Commandments, any thought, word, or deed, and we need to listen to Jesus. You see, going back to the mountain, we read that when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and they were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. Honestly, folks, we would have been right there with them, right there with Peter, James, and John, faces in the dirt, The voice of the Father speaking and thundering in his glory, it brings terror to sinners. In the presence of the holy, holy, holy Lord God of Sabaoth, we fear death. Even the six-winged seraphim hide their faces in reverence before the presence of God. As Isaiah, if you remember his vision, as he said, when he beheld the Lord in his glory, Woe to me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. But remember, dear saints, what happened to Isaiah. See, there was one of the seraphim that flew to him with a coal from the sacrifice, and it touched it to his mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Now, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord Jesus himself comes and touches his disciples, saying, Rise up and be not afraid. See, the rebuke of God's law leaves us terrified, as it should. The Lord must silence us. Too often we try to justify our sinful thoughts, words, and deeds before God. The law reveals our sin and our need for forgiveness. But then in the gospel, Jesus comes to you, he touches you, and he says, Rise up, have no fear, be not afraid. His word casts out your fear. For it is Jesus himself who is the sacrifice for your sin. It is Jesus himself who has fulfilled God's holy law, all of its demands, and suffered God's wrath on the cross for all your sins. In his crucifixion, the glory of Jesus is seen in all of its fullness. 
Not as he outshines the sun with heavenly splendor, but as he pours out his lifeblood for sinners and cries out, it is finished. See, the weight of that glory, the weight of that sacrifice, of that great giving out of his blood for our forgiveness, that was seen in just a little slice at Cana. Through his death and resurrection, the son of the living God has won your freedom. Your sin is atoned for. The debt is paid. Now the treasures of his grace are yours. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life, salvation from the devil, these are given to you here, now, today, in his word, his absolution, his baptism, and his holy supper. Dear saints, baptism is a tremendous gift, and I know I talk about it a lot, but there's a good reason for this. We would all do well to remember what Christ gave to us in holy baptism. In that washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, you were joined to Christ's death and resurrection, and not just in some theoretical, spiritual, oh, that sounds cool way. You were joined to his very flesh and blood, to the body that was pierced, buried, and raised on the third day. Your sin was washed away by the blood of Jesus. God claimed you as his own and made you an heir, an heir of heavenly glory. This is the reality for all of God's baptized saints. In the collect of the day we prayed, O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. And in the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. That's baptism. Mercifully, make us co-heirs with the king of his glory, king in his glory, and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. An inheritance in heaven that's yours, now already promised, signed, sealed, and delivered in your baptism. All of God's baptized can rejoice at that. That in Christ, the Father claims us as his beloved ones with whom he is well pleased. When we see Jesus shining in his heavenly glory, we see a glimpse of our own future and eternity with him. As the prophet Daniel wrote of the last day, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That from chapter 12. This profound truth is a source of great joy. Regardless of whatever suffering we must endure in this fallen world, the promised land of paradise is waiting for all who trust in Christ by the power of the Spirit, all who cling to him in repentant faith. He who was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities has overcome the world and death and hell. He has conquered the cosmos. It is by the wounds of Jesus that you are healed, and it is by his Spirit that you believe in him. He who is transfigured before Peter, James, and John will shine before all at his glorious return as he takes you and all his beloved ones to the new heavens and the new earth. And so may God the Holy Spirit keep us ever in the one true faith as we cling to Christ our Savior and we listen to him whose word is life. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the eyes of all people would be open to see the glory of God in the face of Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the children of God, that our Father would give us ears to hear his Son as he speaks to us through his holy word and sacraments, and faith to believe that he delivers forgiveness, life, and salvation to us through the same. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
or pastors and servants in the church, that all their preaching and teaching would flow from the right understanding, that all scripture testifies of Christ and his work for our eternal salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For families, that parents would teach the faith to their children, and that the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in all households, and for all expectant mothers, that they and their babies would be kept healthy throughout their pregnancies. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the nations, that injustice and oppression would come to an end and all would share in the goodness of creation. And for our soldiers and those who serve in our armed forces, that God would watch over them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those in need, especially John Mischlich, Pauline Plackmeyer, Mark Nolker, Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that God would grant them healing, relief, and comfort through the promise of eternal glory with Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In thanksgiving for the birth of Elena Jolie Carpenter, that God would bless her and keep her in his care, and that she would be brought to the saving waters of holy baptism, and so receive all of his blessings in Christ Jesus, being made a beloved one of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Mueller family, as they mourn the death of Elois, that God would grant them peace and comfort in Christ and his resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who eat and drink Christ's body and blood, that God would grant them repentant hearts to receive forgiveness in this sacrament and strengthen them in faith toward God and in fervent Lord toward, love toward one another. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Holy Father, we give you thanks for Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, John, and all who have fallen asleep trusting in your promises. Keep us in this faith by your Holy Spirit and bring us with your saints to behold the fullness of Christ's glory in his kingdom, which has no end. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. morning and welcome to you all on this transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we look into our day today and ahead into the week, uh, we have Sunday school and Bible study today. We're continuing our study of uh, the Gospel of Matthew and adult Bible study. And also please note that immediately following that there will be a higher things information meeting. So uh, youth and parents of youth who are confirmed now or will be confirmed by the time we go, which, by the way, will be July, uh, you are invited and encouraged to attend if you have any interest in going. Uh, we're trying to get a head count for who all is going to go, uh, where we're going to go. As I mentioned beforehand, there's a possibility that we might actually have Trinity Norburn in two locations. Still haven't found volunteers yet to go all the way out to Oregon, but, you know, maybe we'll work on that. Uh, looking ahead into the week on Tuesday, we have a Trinity Classical Classroom, and then also a Women's Theology on Tap later on that evening at 7 o'clock. And again, that's back at the Parsonage. We're back to our regular schedule. Uh, midweek school on 3.30 on Wednesday, and then Men's Theology on Tap Thursday at 7. And just a little heads up, ladies, we're just going to do kind of a one-off study for this Tuesday. I'm still looking for some ideas and suggestions that you might have uh, for what it is that you want to do for Theology on Tap. You know me, I'm always going to want to dive deep into something, but if you're like, well, Pastor, maybe we should just like, you know, uh, do this thing over here, I'll, I'll take that into consideration. But I do like to get at least your thoughts and opinions on what you'd like to do. Men, uh, likewise, the same suggestion. Uh, we'll continue uh, studying things where there's an intersection between contemporary issues, what our Lord teaches in his word, uh, probably focusing still on that concept of biblical manhood as we continue through our uh, time in theology on tap.
So um, any, anything I may have missed? Anything additional that... Nothing? Okay, all right, well, wonderful. Well, go in God's peace knowing that you are beloved children of God and your baptism adopted by grace, filled with the Holy Spirit, and sent out into this dark world with the brightness of Christ. Uh, we give thanks and praise to God for his forgiveness, life, and salvation granted to us even today as Jesus has come and touched us, spoken his word to us, and given us those gifts. I'll greet you at the door.